Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part one of his teaching, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, in honor of today, which is Pentecost Sunday, I thought it would be appropriate to teach on the topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I was shocked to discover that I have not taught on on a Sunday morning in almost three years. You know, this is a spirit-filled church. We need to act like it every once in a while. Amen? So, let me begin by this, by saying this. Before he left the earth to sit at God's right hand, Jesus made it clear to his followers that there was a source of power coming that was critical to their success. He wanted them to become powerful witnesses for him and to live the abundant life that he had planned for them. Amen. Now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in a message called the gospel, the power of God. And again, as I said two weeks ago, teaching along these lines for some of us seems basic and fundamental. But you cannot assume that there aren't people who'll be hearing this for the first time. If not here, on the podcast. We have podcast listeners all over the nation, all over the world. Amen. And again, some of us need to hear it again so that we can share this truth with believers we know who have not yet entered into the fullness of the Spirit. Amen. They don't know what they're missing. Amen. So by the way, all the scriptures I'll be using today will be from the New King James Version unless I... State otherwise. Amen. So let's get right into the word. This is Jesus speaking to his believers after he was raised from the dead. Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 46 and reading through verse 49. That's Luke chapter 24, verse 46 through 49. Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary For the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, that word there, endued, is a very cool word in the Greek. It actually means to be clothed with a set of clothing that were specially designed just for you. To slip into that power like a good set of clothing that fits you like nothing else. Amen. Isn't that cool? All right. So, Jesus was telling them that because of what he did in his death and resurrection, repentance and remission of sins was to be preached all over the nation, all over the nations, all over the world. But he made it clear that none of that was supposed to begin until they were clothed with power from on high. So in essence, Jesus was saying, the power of God, don't leave home without it. Remember the American Express commercial? Pull out your American Express and the guy would say, American Express, don't leave home without it. I'm saying to you that Jesus was saying, the power of God, don't leave home without it. Don't go anywhere, don't do anything until you get the power. And the next passage we're going to read makes it clear that the source of that power was something Jesus called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen for that. Acts chapter 1, verse 2 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 2, and reading through verse 8. This is talking about Jesus. Verse 2 says, Until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? You know, most of us have been conditioned to think that Jesus was raised from the dead and a couple days later he went to be with the Father. But the Bible says, no, he hung around planet Earth for 40 days, showing himself alive with many infallible proofs. In other words, he took some time so that anybody who wanted to know would know that he was raised from the dead by his father. A little side note here over there in Matthew 28, 17. It says that even after seeing Jesus alive with all these infallible proofs, there were still some people who doubted. Can you imagine the risen Christ standing right in front of you and you think it's some magician's trick or it's not really him or he really didn't die or he just he just appeared as some mystical spirit out of nowhere. People just did not grasp the fact that he was Jesus raised from the dead by his father. That's that's kind of hard for me to grasp. But you know what? It illustrates a point that you can have a powerful vision or encounter with the Lord and still be full of unbelief. Amen. Won't charge you anything extra for that. Verse four. Again, talking about Jesus and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Amen. What's Jesus talking about? Well, hold your place there in Acts chapter 1 and go over to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. So Jesus says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Matthew says that John the Baptist said this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. That just sounds Pentecostal. Amen. So the first thing that jumps out at me in this verse is that Jesus is the one who baptizes people in the Holy Spirit. So not only does he want you baptized in the Holy Spirit, he's the one that does the baptizing. Listen to me. So many people resist the baptism of the Holy Spirit without realizing it, that they're resisting Jesus himself. And it grieves the heart of Jesus. The price he paid to be able to give us that power and to have people reject it like that must really grieve his heart. All right, let's go back to verse 6 and pick it up there. Acts chapter 1. So Jesus is talking about the power, and we're going to see that the disciples are still focused on end times. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and to all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So again, here we see that the disciples were preoccupied with end times when Jesus would set up his kingdom on the earth. But Jesus knew it wasn't time for that yet. And the thing that they really needed to prepare for, to be ready for, was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, which was promised by the Father. It was the next big thing that God was about to do on planet earth, and he wanted them to be ready for it. Amen. So, one of the first things you need to know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate experience and is received subsequent to or after the born-again experience. Now, I know that's exactly opposite of what many teach in the body of Christ today. For example, it is commonly taught that when you get born again, you get all of the Holy Ghost that you're ever going to get. But that belief and that teaching simply doesn't hold up to the whole counsel of God. If you really dig into the word, you'll find out that the Holy Spirit has more than one ministry. And in my opinion, his top two ministries are number one, the ministry of regeneration, which is all about getting people born again. Number two, the ministry of power, which is all about empowering born-again believers to be powerful witnesses for Jesus Christ. Amen? So before we get too much further into this, you'll probably hear me use the term Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost interchangeably. Now, personally, I gravitate towards the Holy Ghost because, you know, it's just got that old-time Pentecostal sound to it, you know. We're not filled with wine, as you suppose, but we're filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. It doesn't have the same ring when you put spirit in there. But I am talking about the same person, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity. So let's get back to the task at hand and see if we can show you in the scripture that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience that is separate from and received subsequent to or after the born again or salvation experience. The first example I want to use is the day of Pentecost itself. But before I can do that, I have to lay a foundation. And I have to make a statement and prove it in the Scripture. Hear me out. The believers in the upper room on the day of Pentecost were already born again. Well, Brother Scott, you're going to have to show me that in the Scripture because everybody says that Pentecost was the birth of the church. Well, let's read. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 3 and going through verse 8. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 3, going through verse 8. Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, that's another name for Peter, then by the twelve. 
After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. They've passed away. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. Now stay with me here. 1 Peter 1.3 says we are born again by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that enabled mankind to be born again. So all of those who witnessed the resurrected Christ while he appeared regularly on the earth for 40 days, as soon as they believed that God had raised him from the dead, you got to know that most of them confessed Jesus as Lord. So according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, they were saved, they were born again. Let's read that scripture just to make sure we got it down. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And don't you know, when they saw the resurrected Christ... Most of them confessed their faith in him. They believed in their heart and they confessed with their mouth that Jesus was Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Therefore, they were born again on that day of Pentecost, all 120 of them. And by the way, only 120 showed up. What happened to the rest of them? There was 500 that he appeared to at one time. And he must have told them the same thing. Wait for the promise of the father. So do the math. What is that? 380 people that didn't show? What were they doing? Bowling? Casting lots? Having a good time? I don't know. But they missed the boat. Hopefully they got filled with the Holy Ghost later. So let's talk about specific instances where people were filled with the Spirit subsequent to salvation. The first one is the day of Pentecost. And because of what we just read in the Scriptures, what we just talked about, we know that everyone in that upper room on the day of Pentecost was already born again, and they were there because Jesus told them to wait for the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. You can't very well have Pentecost Sunday and not read these Scriptures. Amen? It's a law. All right. When the day of Pentecost had fully come... They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here on the day of Pentecost, we see that 120 Born-again believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit subsequent to their salvation or their born-again experience. All right, let's talk about the Samaritan believers. In your Bibles or your devices, go over to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We're going to read a few verses scattered through this chapter. So we will begin with verse 5 and read through verse 8. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 5. Now, Philip was an evangelist. It's talking about Philip the evangelist, who was a deacon, who got promoted and became an evangelist. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. 
And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Amen. Go on down to verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. That's real significant. It says they received the word that Philip preached and they were baptized. Over there in Mark 16, 16, Jesus says, if you believe in me and you're baptized, you're saved. Now, it's inherent in that believing in me that you have believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, God raised him from the dead, and you've confessed it with your mouth. But I think you can see that these people were born again. Going down to verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. They didn't send Peter and John to get them born again again. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. What's the number one job of an evangelist? To get people saved, to get people born again. I reckon Philip didn't think that was his ministry to get him filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, that's Peter and John's ministry. Let's get them down here and get these folks filled with the Holy Ghost. So here's an example of people who were born again, and then sometime later, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's talk about the Apostle Paul. A little background, Acts chapter 9, we'll be reading verse 17 and 18. I'll give you a little background. Paul and a company of men were on the road to Damascus on the way to the city to arrest Christians simply because they believed Jesus was the Messiah. And on the way to Damascus, a great light shone from heaven and knocked Saul to the ground. He got up off the ground and he said, Lord, who are you? I submit to you that at that moment, Paul, who was then Saul, got born again. He confessed him as Lord and said, who are you? You're my Lord. I need to know who you are. And he said, I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. What does that say? If you persecute my people, Jesus takes it personal. It's just like you're persecuting me. Anyway, so Paul gets born again and he goes to Damascus and he stays in the home of a disciple. I can't remember his name on a street named Straight. I do remember that. And then a guy by the name of Ananias in the city of Damascus, Jesus appears to him in a vision and says, I want you to go to the street called Straight, find Saul, and I want you to pray for him that he might receive his sight because he got blinded by the light and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he argued for a little bit. And he said, hey, you know, this is the guy that's been throwing everybody in prison. Are you sure this is the guy you want me to? Yes, I want you to lay hands on him. So he receives his sight and uh, gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and I'll show him all the things he's going to have to suffer for me. Okay, so that's where this starts. Verse 17, and Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. You know, normally the progression is this. You get born again, you get baptized in water, then you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, you know. You just get it done, you know. All right, so we see that Paul is another example of somebody that got born again on the road to Damascus, and then he got filled with the Holy Ghost a couple days later in the city. Isn't that awesome? Now, the house of Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was a Roman centurion, and I know from military history that that he commanded 100 men, and he offered up much prayer and offerings for the people in his community, for the Jews in his community. Okay? And he was praying one day, and an angel appeared to him and said, Listen, your offerings have come like a sweet smell of incense into my nostrils, and I want to get you saved. Go send to Joppa where Peter is. Bring him to your house, and he will tell you words whereby you will be saved. He's going to preach the gospel to you. So he sends for Peter. Peter comes to the house, and this is what happened. Peter preached the gospel to him. And then in verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. You know, sometimes the Holy Ghost can't wait for the preacher to finish his sermon. He just gets the job done, amen? And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. This is significant. How did they know? Verse 46 says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And we're not emphasizing that in this lesson, but we will in session two next week. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So, again, they're getting it out of order. <laughs> they got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, then baptized. Now, it seems that the people of the household of Cornelius uh, were simultaneously saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you why I don't believe that to be the case. Stay with me. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. So what this verse tells us is that the old wineskins cannot contain the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So you must be born again. You need a new wineskin before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Does everybody see that? It, not only do I know this from the scriptures, but I know it from experience. Let me share a testimony with you. Trish and I, for 14 years, uh, were in prison ministry from the late 1990s uh, all the way up into about the mid, about 2014 or so. And... Uh, we were at David Wade Correctional Center in Homer, Louisiana. I was preaching to 80 men that night. 
and I was preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I did not preach the gospel because I knew most of the men there who'd come to the meetings before were born again. So I was encouraging them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So after the service was over, I had an altar call. I said, anybody here that's born again and you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, come up here now. Because I had about five minutes left in my session. And the guards, uh, at least for our group, they had this habit of if you got within a couple of minutes of your time and you weren't done and it didn't look like you were wrapping things up, they would start flickering the lights on you. So I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the guard. He's already moved over towards the light switch. So I know I don't have a whole lot of time. So eight guys come forward in response to the altar call. All of them want to get filled with the Holy Spirit, or I assume that they do. And I said to the Lord inwardly, Lord, what do I do? There's no way I can get these guys filled in five minutes. There's just no way. And the Lord said, have them form a circle around you. So I said, okay. Okay, guys, form a circle around me. There was eight guys. And the Lord said, just lay hands on them and say, be filled, and I'll do the rest. Don't try and teach them. Just be obedient. So I said, okay, this, is, this should be really interesting. So I started with the first guy, and I said, be filled in the name of Jesus. He took off in tongues. Second guy took off in tongues. Third guy took off in tongues. Fourth guy had to coach for maybe 20 seconds. He took off in tongues. Everybody I laid hands on were instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And I got to guy number eight, and I put my hand up to pray for him. And it was like a jolt of electricity came off the end of my hand. And next thing I know, this guy slammed to the linoleum in about a half a second. Bam! And I got real nervous because the guards get real nervous when prisoners fall. You know, prisoners, in our experience in 14 years of prison ministry, they don't fake fall in the Holy Ghost. If they fall, it's real. You know, they, they, don't, they don't have to give the pastor or the speaker what I call a CD, a courtesy drop, you know. And I'm just telling you right now, I don't need no CDs. I believe the power of God is going into you whether you fall or not. It does not matter to me. Amen. So I said, hey, guys, pick him up. Let's find out what's going on, you know. So I said to the guy after he was, you know, he was still kind of woozy. And I said, what happened to you? He says, I don't know. You put up your hand and the wind just blew me down. I said, what did you come up here for? I came up here to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I said, dude, you're in the wrong line. This was an altar call for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, for people that were already born again. He said, oh. He said, well, that, that was pretty powerful what happened to me. So I said, all right, let's pray. I led him through the sinner's prayer. He got born again. I said to the other seven guys, you guys got filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't have time to get him filled, so make sure you do. Amen. So what's the point of the story? He had an old wineskin, and it could not contain the power of God and knocked him down to the ground. Amen. Now, I know people that are born again, filled with the Spirit, can fall under the power, but this was just absolutely a slam down. He's just, bam! It's like, I never heard or seen anybody fall that quickly in my life. It was the Holy Ghost. He was not injured. That was the great miracle. Flat on his back, head hit the floor, the whole bit, and he was not injured at all. Anyway, so, it was almost like the Holy Spirit had nowhere to go and just knocked him down to the ground, you know. So, getting back to the house of Cornelius, 
I believe they heard Peter preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit fell. They got born again. And a nanosecond or two later, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? At least that's the way I see it. One last example. The Ephesian believers. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Starting at verse 1, we'll read through verse 7. Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Let me stop right there. That's just too good. We never even heard of the Holy Ghost. What are you talking about? Sad to say. This is true in many Christian circles today. They might have heard of the Holy Ghost, but they sure don't know much about him. Amen. All right. So and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. Once again, it's a sad commentary that even in this day and age, there are born-again believers who don't know anything about the Holy Spirit because they haven't been taught. Now, wrapping this thing up, there were five occasions in the book of Acts where born-again believers received the baptism of the Holy Spirit after they were born again, after they got saved. With that said, I don't think it needs to be a long time between the born-again experience in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For example, when I led my wife to the Lord, July 16th, 1983, I immediately said to her, do you want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues? She said, I want everything. So I prayed for her and she got saved. And a few minutes later, she got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the way you should do it. Amen. You do people a disservice if you get them born again and then just drift them out there and say, hey, eventually somebody will get you filled with the Holy Spirit. Get them filled as soon as you can. So what do we learn this morning? We've established through the scriptures that God wants all believers to be filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've also established that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate experience and one that's received subsequent to or after the born again or the salvation experience. So next week, we'll continue and we'll get into more aspects of this wonderful, life-changing experience. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. If this message has blessed you and you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by donating on our website at GoFaithLife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us. 
on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.